I'm Sarah Elizabeth Smith, and this is the Theosophia Podcast, a platform for women's voices in theology. You can check out our Patreon page at patreon slash theosophia and consider donating to this labor of love project for women's empowerment. Before we launch into season two, we are going to play a sermon that Kelsey delivered last year on the feast day of transfiguration. Just to remind y'all, Kelsey Davis will be joining the Theosophia podcast for season two as the co-host and co-creator of Theosophia. She's currently the curator of emerging communities for the Episcopal Diocese of El Camino Real in California. Kelsey and I have been friends for well over a decade now, and I'm so excited to have her joining me on the podcast to bring you all even more amazing content from women in the field of theology and religion. Next week, Kelsey and I will be chatting about sports and theology to kick off season two, but here is a lovely sermon about the importance of deep listening to the transformative spirit of God. See y'all next week. Peace. Let us pray. Great Spirit, let us be open to experiences of transformation and to the truth of our belovedness. Amen. There are encounters, experiences in life that alter our perceptions. I've sat with this text for three months. Yes, three full months of having the best excuse in the world to follow Moses, Elijah, Jesus, and the disciples by climbing every metaphorical and literal mountain possible. It is a dream to spend three months blaring Van Morrison's Into the Mystic as I've tried to watch for the mountaintop, for revelation moments of God's goodness, beauty, and truth all around us. And yet, this gospel story has maddened me. Though the text has not changed in the course of three months, I have, and you have, and we have. And so wrestling with the transfiguration is not a neat and tidy and easy thing to do. And yet, it has got me out of my own head, out of the books and library at the Divinity School, out of my addiction to perfectionism and tight-knit theology, And it has invited me back to longing for God, back to the mountain to experience the cloud of a knowing, and to the transformative experience of learning to listen for God. On July 23rd, just two weeks ago, all sacraments for all people celebrated the Eucharist together. As many, as many of you know, full inclusion of LGBT persons in this church is not yet a reality. 
And so, our community gathered in the A-frame with Episcopal parishes across this diocese to celebrate the full humanity of LGBT persons. The aim of the evening was to gather in worship, break bread, and share our stories. And as I was standing behind the altar, watching streams of people come forward to receive communion, and as the candlelight in the chapel danced around the room, lighting the wooden pews and the faces gathered, it struck me that a mountaintop moment was in our midst. Something transformative was happening in and to us. And that inkling was strengthened as I watched many of you bear witness to one another, muster up enough courage to share your story on film, ask difficult questions, shed tears, leave the chapel and go back into the world with faces radiating and glowing with compassion and strength to continue walking towards the way of justice and love. The gospel this morning reminds us to keep paying attention to those with radiant faces and to pay attention to where we are and where we are going. In the liturgical tradition of the Episcopal Church, we are in the season after Pentecost, or what is also called ordinary time. We have received the Holy Spirit, and it is our task to now pay attention, to witness to where God is moving through the world and how God is moving through us. We have been walking through the book of Matthew this summer, and today we break our rhythm and take notice of something dazzling, a story that drops into the ordinary and challenges our perceptions of the way that we walk through the world. Today is the Feast of the Transfiguration, and a feast day of our Lord means that we hear something about the identity of Jesus, something so powerful and mysterious that it has the potential to change us. Luke tells us in verse 28, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. The mountain they went to was not a plains trip away to Yosemite or Mount Everest. They retreated to a mountain near to them, local to their journey, as we might retreat into Radnor Lake or Percy Warner Park or maybe even the Great Smoky Mountains. And Luke is referring to the sayings immediately before this passage when Jesus asked the disciples, Who do the crowds say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And after the disciples answer, Jesus foretells his own death. He knows that he is headed to Jerusalem, 
to confront the empire, and in the midst of the journey of his actions of teaching, healing, and protesting, he asks his closest friends to join him in going to the mountaintop, in going into nature for strength and clarity. In hearing this, the first truth that came to me is that the identity of Jesus matters. Who we name Jesus to be matters. And while the question of identity hangs in suspension, Jesus pulls away to pray and to listen. He is longing for God. And I don't know what exactly he was longing for, but I know that he went to the mountain to pray. And I get that. Because I have met God there too. And in the most trying times of my life, the only consolation has been pulling away into the mountains with some of my closest friends to remind me of who I am, to gather clarity and strength so that I can keep going too. So he goes, he goes to the sacred space of his ancestors and he is transformed. There is no Myers-Briggs or strength finder, and even though I think Peter is a two, there is no Enneagram. (laughs) There is no personality test that will get Jesus or the disciples closer to the answer of Jesus' identity. What they have is only what they can perceive. They only have what they can see and hear and sense through their experience. And as Jesus prays and as he listens, Luke tells us that everything changes. The numinous realm of the ethereal and the phenomenal realm of the physical worlds collide in the body of Christ. He radiates like lightning. His appearance changes, and we have no idea what his face looked like. Luke holds this moment in complete ambiguity and mystery and possibility. You guys, this is incredible. Because in this moment, our God boxes are dismantled. And if that's not enough, Moses and Elijah appear on the scene, talking with Jesus about his upcoming departure. Moses, the leader of the Israelites who led the Exodus, who experienced, sensed, and saw and heard the voice of God out of a burning bush, whose own face was illuminated by beauty, goodness, and truth. And Elijah, the prophet who confronted the authorities of his day, who heard God's voice speaking to him in a near whisper, in practical silence. These two men are not only symbols for the law and the prophets. They are reminders that God's voice moves through the magnificence of a burning bush, in the whisper of silence, 
and continues like lightning through the body of Christ. And Peter, Peter is aware enough to know that something good is happening, but he is not conscious enough to know that what is happening cannot be preserved or grasped. Peter wants to help by building three tents. And I do not blame him because I am a two also. And I would not know what the heck to do. Except nobody asked him to construct or build anything. Let me repeat that. No one asked him to construct or build anything. And in this moment, it is not about building a barrier around goodness, beauty, and truth. We cannot and should not try to contain it. And after reading this, the second truth that came to me is the importance of deep listening. God's voice comes from a cloud, interrupts Peter, thank God, and says, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Ancient manuscripts replace chosen with beloved. So the cloud says, This is my beloved. Listen to him. God names the identity of Jesus as beloved. And if Jesus is beloved and we are made one with Jesus, perhaps we are beloved too. Listen to him. Listen to the beloved. And yet, when the voice of God commands this, Jesus is not saying anything. So listening is difficult, isn't it? Sometimes it is for me. It is easy to stop listening when we are surrounded with an onslaught of nonstop media, of Facebook and Instagram stories and CNN and Fox News. Learning to listen requires us to slow down, to suspend our own to-do lists and agendas, to lean in to someone else's story. Deep listening requires that we use our spirit, body, and mind to witness another. Listening does not simply mean not talking. Deep listening requires that we listen in a way that our hearts are capable of touching the earth. Deep listening is vulnerable because it means that we enter into another's story so much that it opens the possibility of us being changed by what we hear. There is a quote that is taped on a wall in our home from Rumi, a 13th century Sufi mystic. And it says, there is a way between voice and presence where information flows. There is a way between voice and presence where information flows. 
You see, we are called to notice what is being said in the space between voice and presence. And the command to listen to the beloved is what shapes, informs, and transforms the people who follow God. I believe that listening is our ethic. And if we are to be beloved listeners, then we must learn to listen for the beloved in ourselves. To listen for the beloved in one another. To listen to those that Jesus listens to. And to see those that Jesus sees. We must Keep encouraging one another to reach across the comforts of our own silos, our own boxes, and witness the stories of those we consider other or different. And friends, if you have heard nothing else this morning, hear this. The transformative spirit of God is near. Lean in. Listen to her. Because listening is the seed of justice. Amen.